Any question that you have pertinent to social issues, uh, maybe issues going on in your own life, personal stuff, um, you can ask questions about that. Um, anything, any kind of question you have about the Bible, we'll do our best to answer uh, to the best of our abilities. Uh, we do ask this. We do ask that you keep them appropriate because we know there's some goofballs out there. Uh, so you can ask some silly questions if you want to. Like one question I always had that Kelly, my wife, always gets embarrassed about. I always want to know how Pastor Kelly always looks so good. Um, so maybe she can let us know about that today, but I don't want Pastor Jeremy to get his feelings hurt either this morning. Doesn't Pastor Jeremy look good this morning too? Yeah. Thank you. Pastor Jeremy looks good. Yeah. We've I know got, my secret. Yeah. We, we've got uh, Michelle... Mondani helping us out this morning. Yeah. She's going to act as a moderator, which means she's going to be reading these questions that you guys are asking to us, and we're just going to do our best to, to answer them as, as we go. Um, oh, boy. Here we go. Here we go. So, listen, this is not going to be a stump the pastor or stump the panel kind of session, okay? So don't, don't be that person that digs for the most obscure reference that you can find in the Bible trying to come up with something that we're not going to have an answer to. Because uh, I'll just tell you straight up, I don't have an answer for it. And then we'll just move on, okay? Uh, so let's ask relevant questions, something that's on your heart. Uh, keep them appropriate. With the forum that we're using, okay, everybody that logs on to this is going to be able to see the questions live as they're added into the forum. I'll tell you how you can log into that and participate here in just a second. It's way easy. Very easy to do. Uh, but because it's live and anyone can see it, keep that in mind. All right, listen, I know you wouldn't think you would have to say something like this in church, but I'll just tell you, <laughs> listen, no profanity, all right? Um, no, no, nothing nasty or dirty or anything like that because everybody's going to be able to see it. We'll delete it real fast. I'll probably shut down everything, and I'll say, hey, let's keep it clean. All right, so we're taking a little bit of risk. So I'm with some extreme trust in you guys this morning. So don't let me down, okay? All right, so let's keep it clean. But here's the deal. I do want you to participate. We're going to answer as many questions as we possibly can this morning. Um, our answers are probably not going to be exhaustive. Uh, we're going to handle the questions and the topics give a good answer, and then move on to the next one so that we can answer as many as we possibly can. So you guys ready to dive into this today? Yes. Y'all got to convince me on that. Y'all did not do a good job. Are y'all ready to dive into this today? Yes. All right. That's my church. That's LifePoint. I love that. So if you will, take out your phones or your tablets, uh, and I'll walk you through how you can log on into this. Now, if you're here today and you're not a person that has a phone that you can get on the internet with, we thought about you today, all right? Um, I'm asking the ushers who are probably, yeah, they're still back there counting the offering right now. In a moment, the ushers are gonna come out and I'm gonna ask them to pass out some cards to you guys that you can write your questions on. So you can still participate in what's happening with the service today. Even if you don't have a smartphone or a phone you can get on the internet with, you can still write your questions on a card you can bring them up here, or the ushers will bring them up here, and we'll make sure that we can get them answered for you today, all right? Just in case you, you don't have a phone you can get on the internet with, we got you covered this morning. When I see the ushers come back in, I'll ask for a show of hands if you need a card, and then we'll, we'll we got them right there? All right, so if you, if you don't have a phone you can get on the internet with, but you still want to ask questions and participate this morning, if you need a card to write a question on, I'll put it that way, Raise your hand, and we'll make sure the ushers get them to you this morning. Anybody that needs a card? Going once, going twice. Okay, we've got one right there. Let's make sure we get a card, too. Anyone that needs it. I need a card. I do not want to get on the Internet with my phone this morning. I want a card. Anybody else? All right. For everyone else, got your phones and your, your tablets out, let's go to a website called slido.com. They're going to put it up on the screen for you. S-L-I-D-O dot com. And when you go there, you're going to see a screen that will pop up. Don't go to this yet, gentlemen. I'm just going to talk you through it. It's going to ask for a pin or a password. Sit on that screen for a moment. We're going to give everybody a chance to hop on. Slido.com.
All right, are we there? If you're not there yet and you need me to wait, say hold up. Slido.com. All right, once you get there, you're going to see a screen that looks like this. Go ahead and put that up, gentlemen. It's going to ask you to enter a code. So what you're going to do is you're going to enter a code Y-A-F-I. It's going to be Yaffy. Go ahead and put that slide up for everybody, gentlemen. Once you enter the code, it's going to be Yaffy. You asked for it, the name of our series, Yaffy. So once you put Y-A-F-I in there, hit the green arrow, and it'll log you in. And you should be in a live forum. It says LifePoint Church or LifePoint Q&A. And you'll be able to write your questions in the little menu there. And once you hit send, it goes in live. So everybody will be able to see it. You are limited to a certain number of characters, uh, amount of words and letters. So you'll have to be somewhat concise in your questions when you ask them. But uh, everybody logged in? Everybody good? Not yet. We'll wait just a little bit longer. Do we need to go back for anyone? Mm. Oh, you're still logging on to the website? You need a card? Okay, well, let's bring one more card right here. Anyone else having trouble logging in that needs to log in? We're all good? All right, you can start asking questions now. You're probably going to see four or five questions already in there. What we did was we took, because we turned in a lot of cards when we started this series. There are a lot of questions that didn't necessarily fit into like the message topics that we covered over the last few weeks. So we thought it would be good to start off the discussion with four or five questions that came from those cards that didn't make it into the, uh, the sermons over the last five weeks that we've covered. So we've got those in there. Don't let that throw you off. We just put those in there to get things going in case it took a couple of minutes for people to log questions that you might have. So are we good to go? Everybody's writing questions. All right. Well, Miss Michelle, are we seeing questions come in? Oh, yes. We've got questions coming in? Well, let's get it going. Now, here's the deal. Y'all are asking the questions. We are at the complete mercy of Miss Michelle, the moderator. So she's going to get to pick and choose the questions that get asked. Oh, by the way, um, if you notice, there's a little thumbs up icon that will appear on the sides of the questions that are on there. You literally, if you find a question that you really like, you can give it a thumbs up and like it. And the way it's supposed to work is the questions that get the most likes are supposed to go up to the top of the discussion forum because it's getting good response from the people in, in the room. It's how it's supposed to work. We don't know if it's actually going to work that way, but that's, oh, that's, that's that what we're, it's working that way. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we're not playing stump the pastor. We're not playing stump the panel, but we're going to have some fun this morning. All right? All right. Here we go. Uh, Miss Michelle, give us your best. Okay. Woo-hoo. So the first one, I've heard people talk about a Jezebel spirit. What is that? Is it a real demon? A Jezebel spirit. What is a Jezebel spirit, and is it a real, is it a demon? Wow, is, y'all want to answer that? At Jeze- <laughs> uh, Jezebel spirits. That. Okay, let me ask. Let me answer this one first. Is it like a, a demonic spirit? The answer is really like no. I don't think that there is a Jezebel demon out there, all right? Now, I think that there are demonic influences that can take on those characteristics. When someone says a Jezebel spirit, Jezebel was a person in the Old Testament, all right? Just like you hear someone talk about an Absalom spirit, that was a person who was in the Old Testament who behaved a certain way and displayed certain characteristics. So when somebody says that person has a Jezebel spirit or an Absalom spirit, that means that they are behaving in a way that's that reflects the behavior of that person from the Old Testament. That makes sense? Um, now, I think you could have some demonic influence in, in behavior, but is there, to my knowledge, there's not a demon named Jezebel. That's just describing 
a person's behavior as it would reflect on someone from the Old Testament. Like me saying, my kid acts like my wife. My kid's got the spirit of my wife. She's got the spirit of Kelly. She's got a Kelly spirit about her. She's just displaying the characteristics of her mom, but that doesn't mean like there's a spirit of Kelly that has possessed her and taken over. So that's that's what that is. Does that make sense? Hey, that was a good first one, huh? All right. Okay. How does a wife submit to an unsaved husband? Guess this one's me, huh? (laughs) Jeremy, you want to chip in on this? You got it? No? no? How, how does Rachel submit to you now? Because we know you ain't saved. Yeah. We know we got. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Pastor Kelly. That's a good one. Well, the Bible tells us as wives we're supposed to be submissive to our spouses. And if we have married someone either when we were unsaved or and then got saved or we just made a decision to marry someone that wasn't saved, we still are responsible to submit to them. Now, we first are responsible to the Word of God. So if that person asks us to do something that directly goes against the Word of God, then no, we don't. That's a little bit different. But we still, as a wife, have to be submissive. We have to be obedient to them. If they ask us to do something, do that, to be kind to them. You know, listen, let them be the head of our house. Um, I grew up in a home with an amazing father, but my dad was not a Christian. He was still really awesome, and he um, allowed my mom to be the spiritual head of the house. And I watched my mom still submit to my dad and to his authority without going against the word of God. And, and he did not ask her to do that, I will say that. My dad really was amazing, and honestly, if you knew him, you probably didn't know that he wasn't a Christian because he just had a high standard of morals. And, um, but we can still be, we can love them. We can pray for them. We have to be really careful. A lot of times what I see um, with this is where the wife tends to become a nag to the husband. I've seen it in a lot of different relationships. And um, where the wife tries so hard to get the husband to come to church, to get him to become a Christian, that she ends up nagging and almost driving them further away. So living your life is an example of what Christ is by being submissive and listening listening to their authority going don't just go against them and say well you're not a Christian I don't have to listen to you that is wrong you you have to love them you still have to be obedient to them hope that answered it yeah. love and obedience yeah because you want them you want them to eventually love Jesus so you don't want to drive them away from that so yeah what do y'all think good vote that's a good answer yeah I hope that helps yes so going off of that The next question would be, is it a sin for a person to refuse sex to their spouse? So what we talked about before service was, and this is a joke, um, but but I was talking before service with with Phil and his wife, and uh, we were talking about what's going to happen when somebody asks a hard question that we don't really want to answer or have an answer for then I was just going to refer everybody to, to Phil and Kathy. <laughs> so um, if, you, if you ask that question, Phil's probably got a great answer for that. So make sure that you ask him, is it a sin to deny that to your spouse? Um, biblically speaking, uh, short answer, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're encouraged uh, from, from Paul to not deny that um, our bodies aren't our own. Uh, we're submitting to one another in a marriage, and uh, to to refuse that, um, yeah. Now it, that gets sticky though, because that that's a loaded question because you don't know the context of what's happening in in the marriage at that time. Now, if y'all just had a knockdown, drag out fight, and he he just said he doesn't like your mama or your family. And he threw the lamp, and he threw the kitchen table and everything else all through the house and, and all of that. And then he said, all right, I'm done. Uh, let's go get it on. That's probably a little different uh, because you got an emotional situation there. I'm kind of making light of the, of the question, but you don't know exactly what's happening in the situation. But to consistently deny somebody something in that arena in a marriage or refuse is, yeah, that, that, that would be sin because that would be in contrast to what Scripture says. Um, but, God, I don't want this to be a long answer. Um, 
That's the beauty of submission, though, because I think if you wait until you're both in the mood, good luck with that. You know, good, good luck with that. Um, so there has to be some kind of preference there because those, those, uh, that, that, those seasons don't always line up in, in the marriage. And so, uh, you, you know, you, you serve, and sometimes when you don't feel like doing that, you still do that for your spouse because you're preferring them and submitting to them. But, man, to, to withhold because of a power struggle or you're punishing your spouse uh, for being a bad person, that's, that's not cool. You're opening the door for temptation, and that's never a good scenario to see happen in, in a marriage. So um, I, I'd say, yeah, in concept, yeah, in principle, but there are, I mean, if you just had a knockdown, drag out fight, and they just treated you like junk, um, I think to say no for a night would be okay um, until y'all get that patched up and, uh, and then go. But to consistently say no, I think, yeah, that would be, that'd be a bad scenario right there. So, so, yeah. What's the next one? This one's for Pastor Jeremy. Oh, snap. Specifically for. <laughs> this is awesome. Does it bother your people, the Ewoks, that Chewbacca gets more recognition, and he is a Wookiee. Do um, you consider him a relative? So, first off, no, because we got our own movie, and it's brilliant. That's what I'm talking about. Um, so, no, it does not bother me at all. The only thing that the Wookiees got was a terrible, in-depth look at their life and the Christmas special, um, which was so bad that it uh, has been locked away, and you can find little clips of it, but you cannot find the whole thing, which is, uh, that says a lot about uh, how terrible Wookiees are. So no, it does not bother me. I'll let them have their, their little bit. That may officially Our be moderator. one of the best answers I've ever heard in my entire life. That was awesome. Okay, the next one. If God can heal all ailments, why can't I be delivered from out of my depression? I gave it to him, but can't get it to go away. Okay, Phil, you it's, got to dodge It's a good one. one. <laughs> it's a good one. <laughs> anybody? I don't want to assume I'm going to answer. Anybody want to jump on that? Go for it. We'll let you tackle that one. That, yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, I'll, I'll tag you. No, that's, end, that's actually a really good question that, that a lot of people have asked over the years, um, specifically with depression uh, or anxiety. Because, listen, depression and anxiety, that's a real thing. Yeah. That's a real thing. Um, people struggle with that. Um, people people um, struggle with that on different levels. You know, some it's mild, moderate, and severe depression and anxiety. Some people can't leave their home because of it. Some people can't get out of bed and just function because of it. Um, do I think that it is a legitimate thing? Absolutely. Do I think that God can heal all things? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, God is a God that heals. God is a God that restores. Um, but to go through something repeatedly where you're praying and asking God to heal and restore, and you feel like you're giving it all to him, and you feel like you have the faith and you're walking through that, but to not see the result that you want from the not to, to not see the healing or the relief that, that you want, that becomes a very confusing time. Because if, if it were me, I'd be saying, okay, God, what's the deal? Either you are who you say you are or you're not. What's going on? Is there something wrong with me? Is it something specific with me? Those are questions I would ask. Um, and I don't think that that would necessarily be the case. God is a God that, and this is going to sound so churchy. And I don't mean it to sound churchy, but this is just the answer. God is a God that does things his way, his time, his terms. Amen. Yeah. And it doesn't always work out the way that we want it to. Yeah. Um, Paul had a thorn in his flesh that he prayed um, over and over again for God to remove. And God came back with an answer that Paul didn't really like. If I was Paul, I wouldn't have liked this. Uh, God said, I'm not going to get rid of it. My grace is sufficient for you. 
Now, we don't know what that was um, that Paul was dealing with, but we knew that God said, now you're going to have to walk this out. And that, that could be a tough thing to, to walk through a season where God says either, no, you're going to have to wait a little while before I'm healing you, or you have to go through a season where I'm just, it's not going to be there, and you're going to have to trust me and get to the bottom the bottom line question is, am I enough? If I don't heal you, if I don't restore you, is God enough? Yeah. And that's a deeper level of trust that you have to learn to walk in with your relationship with God. And I'm not just slinging a general answer at you. We went through that, um, you know, um, with, with, with the loss of our baby a, a while back. We dealt with some of that. And I, I went into uh, a season of, of anxiety and, and kind of depression off of that because I was carrying too much. And I prayed for God to kind of deliver and bring me out of that, and he didn't. That was something I had to process through over a course of time. Uh, a lot of people, especially with, church gets weird with anxiety and depression sometimes. Because if, if I was a diabetic and I prayed for God to heal me, but he decided not to, and I still had to take insulin for the rest of my life um, because of that. Does that mean that I don't have faith to be healed? No. That means that I have a medical condition. I'm having to take insulin to correct the condition. Um, you may go through a season of time. So there's different levels of depression. Um, there's different causes for depression or anxiety, and some of them are because genetically people are predisposed to that because it runs in their family. They've got you know, family members that have dealt with that, and so there is evidence and medical proof that that is a genetic predisposition. Like you would genetically have red hair, genetically have this, genetically have that, or you know, you, um, heart disease, cardiovascular disease is passed through family. That can be passed through family also. Um, and, and you may, that may be a condition where you, you, you get the treatment, you take the medicine, but you still have that that you deal with for the rest of your life. Because you know, that doesn't mean that God can't heal. That just means that sometimes you've you got to walk through it and you've got to process through it. Does that make sense? I feel like I'm rambling a little bit because um, I don't have like a prepared answer. But there, God can heal. But there's a lot of different reasons why you may still be going through that, and probably none of them are you don't have faith. Yeah. Um, there's a whole, lot of, a whole lot of things in play, and it's hard to say specifically without knowing, but in general, man, sometimes it's better just to back up and trust God to know what's going on in a situation where we might not see him responding the way we want him to, whether it's a medical condition or financially or whatever. He's in control and the bottom line is, is he enough? And I think, yeah, he's enough, and I would trust him. Because at the end of the day, here's some perspective that's real encouraging. We're all going to die. Uh, we're all going to die. So whether God heals us in this life or not, we're still going to die. And this life is temporary, and the stuff that we go through in this life is temporary. Um, and so whether it's a physical condition or, or you know, you're dealing with depression or anxiety. The good news is it's not going to last forever. But even if God healed you, like when God raised, when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, Lazarus still died after that. You know what I mean? So, so keep that kind of in perspective when we chase after the miracle. The miracle is awesome, but the miracle is temporary. You know, our relationship with God in eternity, that's, that's the big perspective that we need to look at. Um, I'll be quiet because I feel like that's going way too long. Is that, a, is that an okay answer somewhere in all that rambling? That was an okay answer? All right. Do the laws of the Old Testament, mainly Leviticus, still apply today? Somebody else answered that. I yeah. talked a lot. Um, I'll, I'll kind of take that one. Um, no, uh, in the sense of we don't have to earn our salvation and we don't have to earn... Uh, God's grace or make sacrifices to earn God's grace. Uh, when Jesus came, he actually fulfilled all that. Um, I heard, I was actually listening to a podcast the other day and I heard a pastor say it great that um, he's like, I've always wondered why Jesus had to live a full life, you, you know, and how, why he had to live as long as he did. And he's like, I, I really think that he had to have 
a, a full life of of taking all the stuff that was put on the the people at the time and still be able to be perfect and still be able to be that sacrifice in that way that he could set an example. And I, I thought that was really cool. But one of the things that I, I shared actually again this Wednesday is, is we don't ever want to dismiss the law because there's principles in it that is really good and it still is very valid for today and the law is holy and the law was set by God but the difference in following the law and and living by grace is the law was trying to get to God and trying to earn forgiveness and and grace is that God gave it to us freely Um, however it's good to kind of pay attention to the principles of the law because it lets us know it's a it's a good litmus test of where we're at spiritually too um you know but that's kinda, i gotta be careful with this because you gotta kind of look at what uh, what's important uh, and principle to our relationship with god and stuff like that like for instance um, one of the big things that I get a lot as a pastor is uh, people asking me my beliefs about tattoos and the Levitical law and stuff like that. Um, so we have to look at those kind of things because in the same area where it talks about that, it talks about like pimples and white hairs and, <laughs> and stuff like that and not shaving your sideburns, shaving and, sideburns and stuff like that. Not so wearing material. From yeah. Yeah. So there is certain things that are that are culturally laws that were pertaining to them, and then there's principle laws that pertain to all believers. Does that help? That answer it? No. Somebody. Yeah, I think a good way. That was that's pretty good, man. I've heard it said that that the like when Jesus came, he fulfilled the law completely in and of himself. So it's like the. The legality of the Old Testament law doesn't transfer over yeah. because we're under a covenant of grace because of Jesus, but the morality of it transfers yeah. over and applies to our life that's good. today. So, yeah, that's, that's good questions, guys. You said it a lot prettier than I did. Good. Well, I wish I could have answered my other question that pretty. I felt like I train wrecked that one. If your spouse wants out of a marriage but changes their mind repeatedly, when is enough enough? Do you... When do you know you should let go? Mm. I don't, I think that if there's any type of fight left, um, because, I mean, you're talking about really full abandonment, like when they're gone, you can't help it anymore, is is kind of what I've always thought of, thought that to mean, and stuff like that. You could shut me up anytime you no, want, but um, I really believe that, um, there's something, this is my thoughts on it, is there's something going on that makes them want to flip and flop back and forth. And so um, you should always fight until there's nothing left. You, yeah. you should, there's never a time that you give up. Um, and the, the best way to look at it is look at um, your marriage as the relationship between Jesus and the church and Jesus and you. It, there, I've flip-flopped. Um, several times throughout my Christianity, and I'm very thankful that God didn't just be like, okay, that, that was it. Yeah. Um, you know, and I know that sounds kind of, oh, okay, but, I, and I know it's hard to do that. I know it's hard to, to fight through that, and um, I'm in no way saying that it's that difficult, but um, if you look at it like that and, and just, just always fight and pray and the, the biggest thing um, with marriage is a lot of the times when you get to this area, you tend to try to fix all the problems with the other person as well. Um, what I always tell couples when, when I counsel them and, you know, I've done pre-marriage counseling, I've done uh, post-marriage, I've done divorce counseling, I've, I've kind of done it all in my short time as a pastor, but... Um, I always tell them, work on yourself. Uh, when you work on yourself, you'll, first off, you'll be great. Um, and secondly of all, then if the marriage does end, then you know that you didn't drive them off. You know that you did 
everything and, and you prayed and you, you set the example. Um, because I like what Pastor Josh said is, is a lot of the times you can become naggy. And uh, I can just tell you, I mean, I I'm, I'm love my wife with all my heart. I am 100% sold out. But at any moment that she starts feeling naggy, I shut down, period. Um, you know, and that's just part of my personality. Um, and she's learned that. She's learned how to talk to me um, and how to nag without nagging. <laughs> um, you know, and, and uh, I think that's important, too, because she, she realized that she wasn't trying to fix me that she could, she could let God do what he was going to do and, he, you know, yeah. she could work on herself and trust me to do the same thing. And I think that's a good way to run your marriage is to, to not constantly try to nitpick and rip apart the other person. You're, you're supposed to be one and you're supposed to be encouraging and you're supposed to, you know, be, be there to kind of uplift. And, and so I don't think that there's a time to give up. Um, I think that you keep fighting until they are gone yeah and until they are gone they are not and giving it serious prayer not like i pray yeah. five minutes yeah, 10 minutes yeah. i'm talking about in the closet on your knees yeah. praying your guts out you know for that person because like you said the nagging person as much as i want to go down that road and defend Rachel, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that wasn't the question so we'll let it go um for all the wives out there as i got you but <laughs> No, seriously putting it to prayer because you can change. I've seen so many marriages and, and lives change just from closing this and talking to him about it. And, I yeah. mean, really, lots of intense prayer, not just, God, I'm praying for them. God, please change them. And, and like Jeremy said, you can't be the please change them. God, change me. Yeah. What do I need to do? Let me get right. Let me get all my stuff in. And you can make yourself so attractive that it draws that one back in because yeah. you and him are on the same page. So. Yeah. Yeah, you fight for it 100, 100% all the way until that ink is dried on that paper and there is nothing else you can do legally, spiritually, or physically to keep that marriage together. Um, you fight until the very end, you know, and, and, and keep it going. And I know the flip-flop can get absolutely exhausting. It has to be. That has to be exhausting. Um, but God can give you strength to walk through that at the end of the day. I don't think divorce is ever a solution to it. Divorce is problems on top of problems. Divorce is never a solution. I don't believe it's God's heart for that, though there are scriptural reasons given where we can uh, divorce. I don't ever think it's God's heart. I think it's always his heart. I went away. I, I came back. That's always his heart to fight and make the thing work. There's a way to do it. Yep. And, uh, hey, if, if that's you and that's a real situation, uh, if you want to set up a time to talk, Hey, I'd, I'd love to meet with you and talk through that with you if we can, whoever that is. We love you here. We love you. Yeah. Okay, this one is pretty much the talk of the church. Um, who's the tallest out of you three? <laughs> I'm not even going to stand oh, up. I know yeah. I'm at the bottom of Do the table. Do we have pole. to settle this now? Yes. Come on. Do we have to? I don't know. Should I tell them about the stools? <laughs> No, stand up. It may be Jeremy by a little bit. I should have worn my heels today. Oh, man. I don't know. What do you think? I don't what know. Do okay, who votes Jeremy? Yeah. yeah, we got it. All right, so there you go. It's man, settled. I can actually leave now. I feel great. <laughs> Was that? I've got to leave up on top. Man, that's like saying Thank who's the best football team in the state of Tennessee. Yeah, right. That's. I mean, you might be the best, but is it really that good? I mean, there's a knows, hint. It's a high school team. Who knows? <laughs> I got Larry. I got my job on Larry. In. All right. Okay, right. back to a good, a serious question. How do you honor a parent who is not present in your life? Ooh. <laughs> um. Hey, I'll take that one because I have a parent that's not present in my life. Um. It's hard, and I'll be honest with you, because the bitterness and the emptiness that you feel um, through a good part of your life is very real, and it hurts very badly. Um, I actually had a situation where my dad uh, would pop in and out of my life, and so it would be like, oh, this time it's different. Oh, you know, um, and actually the last time he came into my life, I actually had to cut the relationship because it became very toxic. Um, so the way that I have honored them and, and, and done that is, is be the better person. I know that's so cliche, 
be the better person, be a, be a better Christian, have a higher standard. Um, as a Christian, we are called to love, and we are called, uh, one of my favorite things about being a Christian is they will recognize you by your love. Yeah. It's not about your jabs that you get in. It's not about, you know, it's real easy for me to, if I see that side of, because that whole side of my family actually kind of just disowned me when my parents got a divorce. And so I've seen them here and there, and it's, it's really easy in my flesh to just want to be like, hey, here's my beautiful family that you missed out on for 20 years. But um, instead, what I've done is I've just kind of let it go and, and healed from it, let God heal, heal me, do what I needed to do. Um, and then my grandmother was actually in the hospital. She had a stroke and, and stuff like that. And we went to see her, and God actually started restoring that relationship. And it didn't take a big, I'm sorry, it didn't take a, hey, you were wrong, you hurt me um, kind of deal. It just, restoration started happening and, and, and stuff like that. So I think that that's really how you, you honor, if you're ever wondering, you honor people the same way that you honor God. Um, you, you love them, love, love God with your whole heart, love people like you love yourself. Um, that's such an easy way to kind of test where you're at in that. And, and uh, I know it's not not easy. It's really kind of easy to stand up here with the mic and and say that. And I mean, I'm I'm 35 years old, and there's a lot of times where I just get like teeth clenching mad that my dad is not in my life, seeing my son grow up and and seeing some of the memories that that he's missing out on. And uh, I just got to remember that I do have a heavenly Father and. And he's done some great things. I look at my family, and I also look at what he's done. And, you know, I, I decided that in me, I was going to be the best dad that I possibly could. And I think that ultimately that's honoring, too. You know, I, I know that um, sometimes it's easy to say that they don't deserve it. But, you know, they still are a person. They still are, you know, you don't know what they're going through. You don't know what they have gone through. And and stuff like that. So, you know, pray for them, love them, um, and, and just kind of live, live like that. Just live better. Live, live like you would like to, to be, you know, if, if you were in the position and you felt some of the shame and hurt that they undoubtedly feel, you know, how would you like to, to feel about it? Does that make sense? Got quiet. Got awkward. They did. Okay, it's football season. Oh, God. <laughs> As a Christian, how, would, how should we respond to the, kneel, the kneeling of the anthem movement? <laughs> Phil? I'm not, I'm not the one to answer that because I'm going to make everybody mad. Yeah, holy smoke. The kneeling of the anthem thing. Got the political stuff. You want to take that, Cole? Oh, uh, my mic. Yeah. I, I may be like Jeremy. They, they may not like my answer. <laughs> everybody's mic stopped working. Man, okay, here's the deal. I wish we had just done a recent message about politics and a Christian's role in it. Like we, did. I, I would encourage you to listen to last week's uh, message on that. That would probably help a lot. But that look, it's a real issue. There's, you, you, you just can't have an issue when you talk about kneeling in football, uh, kneeling for the anthem versus standing for the anthem. You just can't have that issue. There are so many other issues going on. What was the original intent of the protest in the beginning? What was the motive behind it? I don't know that any of us could really answer that. Um, Anytime you get the media spotlight on something, like nobody cared what that dude was doing before games until somebody said, hey, that's a real good story. I bet we could get some ratings off of that. Let's put it on camera and make a deal about it. Yeah. And when that happened, <laughs> here we go. Um, so there, there's, a whole lot of, there's a whole lot of different parts and pieces that move around that because on one side, you've got the, the corporate structure of the NFL um, that has policies in place that say the players don't need to be doing that. Um, on the other side, you've got how can a corporate entity tell me what I can or can't do 
to express myself because it's my right. And then you've got, uh, you've got the veterans who are incredibly offended by the fact that a group of high-paid athletes would show disrespect to the flag that they bled and some gave their lives to, to defend. Um, so there, there's so many different moving parts to that. I don't know that there's a clear-cut answer because if I gave a clear-cut answer, um, boy, it would split this room in about five different ways, okay? Because there's so because it got such a big spotlight put on it. Now there's political ramifications. Now you've got the the moral objectivity of it. You've got the offense that comes with perceived disrespect of the flag. And then you've got another crowd that says, "Hey, they're not disrespecting the flag. They're operating in the rights that you fought to give them." You know, and then you've got, there's so many different takes on this. How do you get one solid answer? Yeah, and I don't know that there really is. Um, I think, you know, if, if, if I went to, to work and I said, today I'm just going to be Christian because that's my religion. I have the right to free speech. I can express my religious views. And I did that, and my, my campaign was to get everybody at work saved in three days. By the end of day one, I bet you I'd get called into an office somewhere um, and somebody would say, hey, we appreciate what you believe in, but this isn't the setting for it. Yeah. You know, um, here's my take. I'll give you my take, all right, uh, for what it's worth. And you can agree with me or you could disagree with me. I'm going to sleep just as good tonight one way or the other, all right? <laughs> and I'm sure that you would too. You'll sleep just as fine because... Because um, I don't know that there is a solid right answer on this because of the moving parts, the politically charged issue, and the valid points given by all the different sides. And I'm not dodging the question. I'm saying that's a complicated situation right there that's really hot right now. I think that there's probably, my opinion, there's probably a better way to draw attention to a cause. Just me. And I'm not saying that you don't have the right to do it. I'm not saying, I'll let the NFL sort all that out. That's their headache, whether or not they want to enforce their own rules. That's on them, okay? Um, I'll let the politicians talk about it because they're just going to use that as fodder to advance their agenda, okay? And if it's not the NFL kneeling, it'll be a shooting somewhere to pass a gun law. It'll be something happening in Podunk town somewhere in America that they're going to grab to, to push their agenda. Do I really think they care about it? Probably not. It's just something to push their agenda. Yeah. Um, my thing is there's probably a better way yeah. to bring, wisdom would say, if, if I'm going to kneel before a game because there's so much negativity associated with it. Have you seen the numbers for the NFL? <laughs> have you seen how their attendance has tanked? Have you seen how their ratings have dropped? how their, their sponsorship and all, like it's hitting them in the pocket. You know, it's become a big deal. If I saw all these negative things beginning to come into play, there's so much negative perception from the outside, I think the vast majority of people would say, hey, get up, salute the flag, and protest somewhere else. You know, I think most people would say that. That doesn't mean that they don't have the right necessarily to express themselves. Like I said, I'll let the NFL deal with that. If they got a rule that says they're supposed to stand up, they should be standing up or their butt should get fired because that's the company they work for. That makes sense? Yeah. It's a company they work for. If I, can, if I continue to break the rules at my job, I get fired. Um, but it's so politically charged that NFL owners are scared to death to do anything, it seems like. Uh, I think there's a better way to do it. I think I would look and say, wow, instead of drawing attention to my cause, all I'm doing is causing division over an issue I'm causing fractures in society, really. I'm creating, you might have people talking, but they're not talking about the issue that the guys are kneeling for. Yeah. They're talking about the fact that the guys are kneeling, and the real issue is getting lost. The issue would be racism and, and, uh, and, and, just, and, and uh, brutality towards a person of specific race. That's what started this all out. It was a protest because of that. Um, and... Uh, I think there's a better way to do it. And if I wanted to promote that cause, I would work real hard in the off-season instead of just kneeling when the television cameras were on me. 
I think I would work real hard in the off season to raise awareness for my cause and I would get involved in the communities. I'm not saying that those guys aren't, but I would get involved in the communities and that I would do something practically that would bring a result to the situation and bring positive awareness to a situation, whether it's racism or fill in the blank, whatever it is, or poverty in children, whatever it is. Um, if you want to see, if I wanted to kneel before a game to protest the fact that children in America were going hungry, that might change things a little bit with some people on how they view that protest. You know, So if I wanted to bring attention to that cause, I'd do a whole lot of stuff outside of that to bring a positive change to it instead of continuing to do something that produces negativity and division, and, and that's just me. If it were me, I'd probably do it different. I'd probably do it different. So uh, that's just me. That was a long answer. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right. <laughs> what else okay. we got? Food? Because I'll eat it. We probably got time for a couple more before we got to get out of here. Okay. How do I handle my 18-year-old child not wanting to go to church anymore? <laughs> do they live with you? Well. As you, they can't answer. I think that's, a, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, the first question. Do yeah, they, yeah, yeah, they live with you um, or not? I think you can yeah. drive your child further away yeah. by hounding and hounding, but at the same time, I think you still are the parent. I know yeah. that's not really a very good answer, but um, I think you have to be careful and you have to take every situation that you're in because if you like a nagging wife or husband, husband's nag too, okay? Yes, they So do. I was a cliche <laughs> example, <laughs> right? Um, you can drive someone further away. I think um, so much leading by example. You know, um, I, I had great parents. I had a father who didn't go to church for years and years and years and had a mom that took us to church all the time. I mean, seriously, he has heard me tell this story. We got in a car accident on the way to church. My mom, somebody stopped. This was before phones, cell phones and all that. Yeah, I'm that old. And a guy stopped by to help us, and my mom loaded us all up in his car and took us to church, called my dad and said, the car's sitting on the side of the road. You know, So I had that example before me from my mother that church was important, God was important, and I had a dad who stayed home. You know, And at the end of the day, there are four kids right now that are serving God, and all of us are in ministry in some form or another. So at the end of the day, the, we had two examples set before us, and you know, we followed one. So being that example sometimes can do more than forcing True. the young person. But everybody's situation is a little bit different. So think, yeah, being an example is huge, though. Get, that's a loaded question, too, because you don't know what all's happening yeah. there. Here's the deal, too. Look, if you, and I'm not being mean, but here's something to consider, all right? If you as a parent have had sporadic church attendance the entire time you've raised this kid and have very little involvement in what's happened in the church and from their perception have given very little value to God or attendance in church mm. you shouldn't be shocked when your kid hits 18 and says you know what you're going there I know it's not really important to you this is just something that we do this is not a real thing mm. I'm just going to blaze my own trail mm. so there, that, that's something to consider too and I'm not being mean but if, if you haven't established the track record of consistency and placed value on that in your home, there's probably very little you're going to be able to yeah. do to convince an 18-year-old child becoming an adult of the value of something that you haven't given value to. Hmm. All right? That's, that's something to think about. Um, but if you have blazed that trail and set the consistency and given the value and you have um, put that in the child and you have given them those values, you've poured into them, what does the Bible say about um, raising up a child in the way they should go? And when they're old, they, they will probably come back around to it. I think probably you could pray a whole lot. You can encourage a whole lot to go to church. Um, I think there's a lot you could do in that arena. I don't think I would drag and nag and all that. Yeah. But if you're paying for their food and you're paying for their power, and you're paying for this, that, and the other. Look, legally they're 18, but they're still they're still in your house and your rules. And your rule is, hey, if I'm going to pay for all of this and pay for your clothes and, and pay for all this stuff, and I'm paying your insurance and all that stuff, uh, like oh, you might be 18, but you're still a kid. And until you can grow up and support yourself, if I'm doing all that and you're living in my roof, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go to church on Sunday. Yeah. 
We're going to go to first Wednesdays, and that's how it's going to be. Yeah. All right? If you want to be big boy or big girl and strut your own stuff, then strut your own stuff and be an adult. But don't be a kid and take all the benefits of being under my house and then raise your head and say, no, I'm an adult. I don't want to do Ah, forget that junk. Yeah. You know, forget that junk. So that, is that a good answer for the parents? Hey, I got, I got yeah. to add a little thing, um, too. Uh, I'll kind of piggybacking off what they were saying about be an example is, um, you know, there's two types of examples you could set for going to church. Like, I was drugged to church as a kid, but then <laughs> my parents did not model anything uh, that was even remotely kind of, you know, biblical as, as far as parents and, and stuff like that. I love my parents, but, um, you know, like, they, they went to church because it was what we did as a family. Um, and so that's kind of how I grew up as church is something I, we do as a family. And then when you got old enough to kind of whatever, make your own decisions, you didn't have to go. But me and Rachel, on the other hand, we tried to build value in Judah the, and Lila. She has no clue what's going on. But um, and, and Lila and, and Judah, that, that church is important, that we go because God's awesome. But we also teach him very clearly that God's not just at church and that church isn't just just that. And I've wanted to say this for years, and I couldn't as a youth pastor because you got to be a little bit easier on the parents. But um, I want to tell you, too, look at what your kid is doing. Um, I cannot tell you how many times I dealt with parents that go, oh, God, my kid, they're demon-possessed. What did they do? They smoked a cigarette, and they said they didn't want to come to church on Sunday. How old are they? 16. Nope, they're 16. Um, cut them some slack, pray for them, set a good example, set, set a household that, that um, God is important and, and, you know, because there, there seems to be, especially here in the South, in the good old Bible Belt, that, that church is important and, and not much value is placed on God and the principles of being a Christian. So, um, you know, remember that too, you know, it's got to be well-rounded. It can't just be about necessarily going to church. It's, it's you know, the values and the, the morality and, and everything that goes with that. I'm sorry that I just made half it's the good. church leave. <laughs> I, nobody got up. I thought that was pretty good. Right. That was pretty good. good. Yeah. One more. One more. Where do you draw the line of turning the other cheek before standing up for yourself and not letting others take advantage of you? Hmm. Pastor Kelly, somebody said Pastor <laughs> Kelly. Kelly. Do, do you want that one or? <laughs> no, I can take it. Um, man, I think we can go. I think we probably give up on that one, turning the cheek a little too soon, probably a lot. Um, but neither are we doormats. Um, we definitely, it's okay to stand up for ourselves. But yeah. um, I think we are in a day and age where we like to stand up for ourselves a lot anymore and we don't turn the cheek quite as much as we used to yeah. we're very quick um if you don't believe me hop on facebook and the previous question everybody's got an opinion about that if people's yeah. opinions are everywhere and we offer them um and i think if we'd be a little quick to just keep our mouths shut on things and if someone does us wrong be careful on that i mean don't you don't by any means have to let someone run you over and beat you into the ground you know um you know, if you're in a relationship, not a marriage, but a different relationship, and someone is verbally abusive to you, you can still walk away from that. You know, that you don't have to allow someone to beat you down verbally, you know, friendship or, or whatever, you know. But if you're working with someone and you're trying to be a witness and an example to them, and they're just not nice to you, and turn that, keep turning that cheek, because you know what, eventually they might see the difference. And a lot of times people say one thing, but they're seeing something different inside of them. You know, they may be you know, talking about your whatever, but inside they're seeing the difference. Because I know I've seen several times at work where you feel like somebody doesn't like you, but then something happens in their life, and who are the first one they go to when they want prayer for something, you know? So um, I think, you know, be quick to turn the, the cheek, not so quick to always defend, defend, defend. I see, I just see so much defense going on right now of us, even as Christians, so much defense 
from a Christian standpoint, you know, that, that we almost push people away. So you have to weigh out the situation, the scenario, and say, what is the benefit that's coming from this? What is the harm that's being done? If I turn the cheek, am I building a relationship, building a standpoint that this is going to draw someone closer to God? Or am I allowing this to hinder my life and, and really cause problems in my life? So I think you just have to weigh out the situation and, and what's going on and, and what are the, the positives and the negatives there. Yeah, because everyone would be different. I think situations would be different. You never want to win the argument and lose a relationship, ever, I don't think, if you can avoid that. I always try to avoid emotional responses to situations. I'm not always successful in that. But if it would make me real good to say something to somebody, that's usually a pretty good indicator that I don't need to say it. Um, and so if I can separate myself emotionally from what's happening and get back to a biblically solid response to a situation, that's always good. That's always good land, uh, land uh, ground to land on, I think. So, um, golly, I want to answer one more, but I think we're out of time, guys. Has this been good today? Been good stuff? One more. Look, y'all are saying that. I've noticed the AC has stopped working, and you guys are sweating a little bit. We've had the blower motor struggling this week. We've been waiting on parts to come in to get it fixed. And uh, I don't want you guys to sweat too much. Thanks for your patience with that, by the way. I didn't see it. Uh, it's cool. I'll show it to okay. you. Okay. It's, it's kind of long. Yeah, okay. 30, we'll do one more then. 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Okay. Right. Cool. Let's do it. Um, hey, sorry. I, this one I've seen since we started, and I, was, I wanted it to make sure it got um, read and, and answered. I'm not going to spend like a full, like, answer because I want to get you guys out of here but I will say that if this is your question please um, don't just give up and um, make sure that you talk to one of us um, and, and do this but the question says how do I become a better Christian because I'm afraid I will not be accepted into heaven um, I can tell you 100% that you can know for sure yeah. um, the the, this is one of the ways that the enemy gets us is, is makes us doubt and makes us uh, kind of get there. And if he can get you doubting, then he can get you to where you're like, oh, you know, the next step in that is, oh, I really feel like God has deserted me. And then, you know, then you feel like, okay, well, I tried. Um, and so I want to encourage you to, uh, the first thing is, is realize that you, <laughs> I, I, I don't ever feel like, grace is an excuse to be able to sin i want you to understand but what i do want you to know is grace does cover you to be, to be able to grow um so if you're trying to better yourself as a christian first and foremost spend time with god be quick to confess your sin and repent um and find somebody that you can have you know that you can go to and talk to and and stuff like that when you're feeling like this that's my quickest ways without getting into like some big long discussion about this, but you can know for sure, uh, you know, one of the, the, the things that we can, that, that's one of the hopes that we, can, that we can take away from being a Christian is when, when you are growing with God and you're quick to do that, you know, it's, it's really unrepented sin in your heart that you know and, and, and stuff like that that starts to separate you from God. So as long as you're on an ongoing growth with God, as long as you're being quick to grow and quick to be able to um, repent and confess and listen, don't just deal with sin. Don't just, don't just, okay, well, this is, you know, okay, I'm sorry. Like, be serious. Confess it. Let God heal you from it. Let God deliver you from it. Then you're going to be okay. Is that good? Did that answer? Y'all got anything? Oh, I got a whole mini sermon going on in yeah. my head. We're we're to to Let's do this. Let's all stand up. Yeah. Let's get ready to close today. That's a really good question, though, because I don't know how many times in my life, you'll hear Pastor Josh saying this, how many times in my life I felt something real similar to that where I was like, man, can are the wheels ever going to catch? Too. Am I ever going to get traction in this walk with God thing? Am I ever going to have what I see other people having? And, and the question is, yeah. One step at a time. And that's the thing we remember. Our walk with God is a process of growth yeah. out of our relationship with Jesus. All right? And if you have a relationship with Jesus, you've accepted him as your Lord and your Savior, and you are cultivating that relationship, that means you're taking time to pray, be in his presence, 
and you're reading the word and you're doing the fundamentals and the basics that build that relationship with Jesus, then you've got that going. The stuff that you might be dealing with that you see is causing inconsistency, that stuff's going to fade over time as you grow closer to God. The key is get close to God. Let him change you from the inside out. That other stuff will take care of itself. But I know what you're feeling. I feel like that. I feel like that sometimes when I drive through Atlanta and have to deal with traffic. It's like, good grief, if I had a wreck and died right now, I might go to hell because I, I'm having a hard time with this joker that just cut me off, and i got to pray through some anger right now. I get that. I, I'm kind of having fun with it, but I get the struggles because we've got this stuff called flesh that we deal with. But the good news is the spirit in us is a whole lot stronger than the stuff that we're wrapped in. Amen? So you can have victory in that. Let's pray and let's get out.